0: Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, October 9th. Uh, and we are um, flying through a a bunch of different issues today. So first of all, we're going to be talking uh, some new guidance from the IRS on um, cryptocurrency reporting, particularly with regard to forks. Uh, A lot of people kind of uh, nervous about this one. Second, we're going to be popping over to Osaka to hear a couple pieces of news from uh, DevCon, Uh, multi-collateral DAI is coming, Uh, a new Open Libra project that uh, has a bunch of people kind of yammering. So um, we'll be looking at that. And then third, we're going to talk about the regular Libra and specifically uh, the latest round of um, challenges it faces, including senators putting pressure on companies like Visa and MasterCard to withdraw from the Libra Association. Uh, But let's dive in on the IRS first. So um, this Cryptocurrency guidance was not expected. It's the first time we've heard from them since 2014, as you can see here from uh, at CryptoTaxGirl, who's a great follow in general for uh, this whole side of the market. Um, and uh, and so what was going on? Well, uh, Peter Van Valkenburgh from Coin Center sums it up like this. He says, new IRS guidance is like, quote, owing income tax when someone buries a gold bar on your property and doesn't tell you about it. Uh, so what does that mean specifically? The the bad, as they say here, any fork with new coins for example, Bitcoin Cash or Ethereum Classic will create an income event for taxpayers. So this is their, their summation. The new guidance suggests that a taxpayer will have a taxable income the moment that new coins from a hard fork are recorded on the newly forked blockchain and that the taxpayer has dominion and control over the cryptocurrency so that he or she can transfer, sell, exchange, or otherwise dispose. So that means that anyone who forks a blockchain can, without warning or notice, create new tax obligations for every holder of coins on the old chain. Same goes for airdrops. Anytime someone airdrops a coin to an address over which you have dominion and control they will create a tax reporting obligation on your part this is a very bad result um so obviously this has got has a huge number of people who are uh who are kind of uh either up in arms on it on the one hand or on the other just um, in disbelief that it's actually going to be enforceable and that it doesn't make any sense so uh marco santori the chief legal officer at blockchain uh wrote um wrote this uh, this thread, basically one of his classic 21 threads where he says, uh, me, I'm not a tax lawyer, but I do think it's patently unfair to force individuals to liquidate hard to liquidate coins just to pay taxes on income they never had control over receiving. And it's probably not worth all that much anyways. Uh, and he's points out Matt, uh, Corva put it better. So Matt Corva here says Scenario 491 Coinbase credits BSV to my account that I don't want, but they do it anyways. I do nothing with it. Coinbase and all US exchanges delist BSV. I still have taxable income on an asset I didn't want, didn't manipulate in any way, and can't dispose of without 490 issues. Um, Bruce Fenton uh, went off on this a little bit. He says New IRS guidance on forks is so bad, it's like a critical code bug. Maybe someone can figure out a way to exploit it so the IRS ends up owing them money, owning them money, or or just melt it all down. Taxing forks as income is completely unworkable. You can't foist income on someone. So this is really interesting, right? The idea here is that uh, if you receive coins, all of a sudden that's a, that's a, a taxable event, even if you didn't want it. Um, and, uh, and in particular, there's a lot of questions around uh, just w- what it means to actually own the coins, right? And, and the implications for holding things on exchanges versus self-custody. Uh, Jameson Lopp weighs in. He says, today's IRS guidance is a hot mess. What if you have keys but no software from which to spend the asset? What if you never sell or transfer the asset and it drops 90% in value? What's the value of the asset isn't even trading at the time of the fork? Uh, Niraj, also from Coin Center, comes in and he says... Did you remember to pay income taxes on these? And for those of you who are listening, not watching, uh, it's a list of these forks: Bitcoin New, Lightning Bitcoin, Bitcoin Stake, Bitcoin Faith, Bitcoin World, United Bitcoin, Bitcoin Hot, Bitcoin X, Super Bitcoin, Bitcoin Silver, Bitcoin Nano, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Gold, Byte Tether, Oil BTC, Bitcoin Clash Hick, and Bitcoin Cash. Um, so uh, obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, I think controversy here a little bit a lot to be unpacked still now there were some folks in the legal community who think that uh, it's unlikely that the IRS is going to ding people for um, you know for these random small forks but uh, it opens up a lot of possibilities that aren't particularly um, wonderful so um, you know I think for those who are frustrated by uh, us's policy on crypto assets and its lack of clarity around whether they're commodities uh and you know property that can be taxed or, or securities or some other thing Uh, this just reinforces that. But uh, let's move on for now. I'm not a legal expert, so I don't really have a hot take on this other than um, seems kind of uh, effed and like it's going to create more problems than it solves. Um, But uh, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. So let's move on to number two, DevCon. All right. So DevCon, uh, this is DevCon 5, uh, biggest annual uh, Ethereum event, kind of the epicenter for a lot of things happening in that extended community uh, and it's happening in osaka so interestingly for me i am waking up every morning to a controversy and people being angry on twitter instead of that happening later in the day uh, so right out of the gates uh we saw um, a bunch of controversy on this uh post by uh lee lee quen over at coindesk who writes my first report from devcon and she says, she summarizes it thusly. She says, Devs aren't blind to the risks, may not have as yet, but they know the questions. Leaders aren't looking to make choices for users. They proactively seek engagement with diverse users, input from Presswitch, uh, Dean Engeman, and Vitalik Bruderin, and more. Um, but the, uh, the, the, Article itself was named Scam or Iteration. At DevCon, Ethereum diehards still believe in 2.0. And uh, the this sort of, even though it was in quotes and it was referencing some other take, um, it created a huge amount of. Uh, basically, uh, immediate frustration from the Ethereum community and then the relitigation of uh, longstanding fights between Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, I- I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think that that sort of fight is almost entirely useless. I think it's a Complete waste of everyone's time. I think that it's possible to be interested in different aspects of this. I've been clear about kind of where I sit in terms of my interest as it relates to uh, to to what Bitcoin is trying to do relative to the world, but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate and I'm, uh, and I'm rooting for interesting things to happen in other uh, other coin communities as well. So um, I had to say I was a little bit happy to see uh, some other things push that that particular relitigation of longstanding tribal uh, conflicts out of the news, um, and for that. Uh, there are a couple things. So one, MakerDAO. Um, so Maker announced that multi-collateral DAI was upcoming. Uh, it was going to be ready on November 18th. Uh, this is a huge deal. It's actually way outside of the scope of, of just this um, three at three here. Uh, but basically the idea is instead of the only collateral being Ethereum or ETH rather, Ether, they're moving to a system where uh, potentially there'll be multiple uh, m- multiple types of collateral in the ecosystem kind of backstopping the uh, the the stablecoin. And so the the goal of that is if you diversify the basket of assets that backstop multi-collateral DAI, you potentially are less subject to volatile swings in, in cryptocurrency prices. Potentially you make it more stable. That's the idea. Now, there are a lot of folks who are uh, not interested in this um, because of one, when it comes to other digital assets, they see uh, other things that have been debated as even less stable less liquid and more volatile than something like a ether um and two there's this whole question of uh of uh, non-digital asset collateral, right? So, uh, you know, Maker has talked about the idea that in the future, many, many different types of assets across asset classes could be used as collateral within the DAI ecosystem, again, really reinforcing the stability. But then you get into all these issues as it relates to price oracles and the decentralization of those price or- oracles and so on and so forth. So um, multi-collateral DAI is both a huge step potentially for uh, for what is one of the most important and largest, uh, you know, kind of global stablecoin projects, but is also not without controversy. So, so that'll be something to watch. Um, I have to give a little shout out to uh, <clears throat> to Mariano, speaking of Dai, uh, who gave a presentation uh, all about how he survived 50% inflation using uh, exclusively cryptocurrency. He made this uh, amazing uh, statement that he's never actually purchased cryptocurrency, he's only earned it. And he's been earning it since 2014. So you can see here on this slide from uh, Amin posted it, but uh, Bitcoin in 2014, capital controls in Argentina got paid Bitcoin to avoid government converting USD to pesos. Uh, Ether 2015 discovered Ethereum went all in. Started working at Maker 2016 and got paid initially in ETH. 2017 dogfooding our stuff paycheck in Psy July 2017. Die starting January 2018 to this day. Um, I've had a chance to actually be with Mariano and uh, he's talked through that process, but pretty cool stuff. I mean, he's kind of on the vanguard of what it looks like to actually live off this and uh, living in a place where it's been really valuable for him. So, um, uh, you know, kudos for that presentation presentation. Really cool. I can't wait to see the the, the larger, um, the YouTube video or the, the follow-up. But then one more thing from DevCon, uh, just because I, I find it really, the conversation around it uh, interesting in some ways. So uh, Lane Reddick here says, seeing hashtag OpenLibra publicly announced for the first time is sending shivers down my spine. I'm so excited about this initiative to lock the door open for Libra Tech. Uh, and it goes in. And so... Um, basically the idea here is that uh, a consortium of companies uh, so you can see some of the folks who are involved here on the screen Um, for those of you who are listening it includes folks from cosmos democracy earth web3 uh, vulcanize a a huge array of different uh, people um, who are basically trying to bring a version of libra to market uh, without the backing of Facebook in an open version, uh, and so this produced uh, actually a huge number of responses. So one of the responses that I didn't really have an example of here is uh, some people who were frustrated because they weren't sure why this random new project was on the main stage when so many other things were, uh, you know, kind of shunted to side rooms. That's kind of internal conference politics. I don't really have any idea about that, but it was one more of the one more of the types of. Uh, of an antagonism that was uh, that that came after this. Um, then you add uh, Vlad Zamfir over here saying, "Shame on us for le- lending our legitimacy to Libra," uh, and a lot of people were agreeing. Some people were disagreeing, but basically, uh, uh, the the Vlad's argument here is that. Uh, Libra is inherently kind of an authoritarian uh, project, uh, and a, a project that reflects the current control system of the uh, of the world as it is today. And that this it doesn't just rest it out of the hands, but it has the political implications of uh, of legitimizing it. Right. So that was one set of critiques. Uh, you had Linda uh, from Scalar Capital who says, um, among other things, uh, <clears throat> in her reflections about DevCon, skeptical of Open Libra since Facebook and distribution was the benefit right so this is one of my questions immediately too is like what is the what is the value of like a fork of Libra when you rip out the uh, the two billion potential install base Um, and this is I think key like the reason that Libra is being taken so seriously and uh, and in not a great light necessarily by uh, by governments around the world is as compared to things like Ethereum and Bitcoin is that built-in install base, right? Like, you know, Bitcoin set of users and and hodlers don't really scare uh, the 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 folks in Congress and the folks in the Senate. Uh, but two billion installed users that could immediately be using a, a not pegged to the U.S. dollar even currency uh, is scary, right? So I think that there's a that that built-in install base is a huge part of the the centerpiece or the underpinnings of what makes Libra such a um, a powerful and important topic of conversation right now. So I tried to get kind of some clarity on this. So I said, okay, so open Libra. I've read one, why it's a distraction, two, why it legitimates authoritarianism, three questions about why Libra matters with uh, without Facebook's network, and four questions about leadership that relates to the kind of uh, presenter of the project and w- you know what they have or haven't delivered on their past project. So these are all things that I've read, I whatever. I don't really have a, a stake in any of them, but that's what I had seen. Um, but I've read nothing about what the team believes is so good about Libra that it needs an open version, right? And so the Coinbase article said, the idea for Libra and its technology was not only brilliant, but likely to become the currency of the internet. So the question is why? Like, what are they trying to capture here? Um, I find it really, I think it's important, right? Because to the extent that the argument is that this is a distraction or a waste of time, uh, you know, it's getting main stage coverage at the the major event of one of the biggest uh, crypto assets in the world, really one of the two biggest crypto assets in the world, none and um, is referencing uh, this project that has uh, you know lit up the entire universe of conversation in our space uh, what are they trying to achieve what do they think is so important about Libra that those other crypto assets can achieve you know is it the the, the idea of a stable coin a basket of currencies uh, what is it right it feels to me like if we're gonna have any conversations about this we need to understand uh, and perhaps they said this in the presentation, it just wasn't reflected in the article, what makes it so important? Um, and that's not super clear to me. So anyways, I think, uh, you know, Open Libra, it might just be a flash in the pan conversation, but there are a lot of folks who are involved in the in the in that group, that consortium or whatever, of people putting it together. So uh, maybe one to keep an eye on. But with that, let's turn to our final topic of the day, um, actual Libra. So just in our ongoing, uh, you know, tracking of, What's happening with Libra? Uh, the uh, the most recent. Um, f- challenge for them. So uh, Friday of last week, uh, PayPal officially withdrew from the Libra Association. Um, You know, David Marcus earlier in the week had almost kind of created some narrative space for them saying that there was going to maybe be some flux as people as they've really found mission aligned partners. Uh, And now you have two U.S. senators, Brian Schatz, uh, Democrat from Hawaii, and Sherrod Brown, Democrat from Ohio. sending letters to uh visa to mastercard and to stripe uh about withdrawing right and and saying they it's they basically said uh this is their quote it is chilling to think what could happen if facebook combines encrypted messaging with embedded anonymous global payments via libra uh, in what could be viewed as threatening language, Schatz and Brown say participating firms such as Visa, Stripe, and MasterCard may see heightened regulatory scrutiny overall as a result of Libra membership. If you take this on, you can expect a high level of scrutiny from regulators on not only on Libra-related payment activities, but on all payment activities. So this is a pretty aggressive stance. Um, now, the, the sources, the provenance of this shouldn't surprise anyone who has watched uh, Senate hearings. Both Schatz and Brown have been pretty um, uh, clear and outspoken in the... Their consternation for this project. Um, but it still is, uh, you know, a ratcheting up again of the pressure that is on Libra. Um, we also saw from the Bank of England some new rules uh, basically that Libra would have to follow to launch in the UK. Um, this is a little bit less clear the impact. I mean, in some ways, you have to think that uh, to the extent that people are saying, hey, these are the set of criteria you have to meet, um, unless it's completely unmeetable, that's uh, that's that's potentially a good sign for Facebook, right? As it tries to bring this to market now, uh, um, <laughs> for those of us who are worried about uh, surveillance, um, it may not be uh, it may not be such good news, right? So the significantly, this is from the CoinDesk article: the Bank of England says it needs access to be able to monitor payment chain information as one of its conditions. Um, you know, Facebook is fighting this fight everywhere right now as it relates to the encryption of its messenger, uh, and so on the one hand, they're fighting to be able to do end to end encryption on WhatsApp and on Facebook Messenger. And on the other hand, they're potentially just handing over this huge amount of financial information uh, to governments who want to surveil it. So this to me is kind of like right right down the pipe of why why people are so nervous about something like Libra in coordination with the government surveillance apparatus. Uh, Finally, I I don't want to necessarily read too much into this because people move and change jobs all the time, but the block was reporting that Simon Morris, who's the head of product at the Libra Association, Uh, had left after just five months. This is just kind of reported from from noticing things on LinkedIn, Uh, so we don't really have any um, understanding of of why that might be. So again, this is uh, added just in the context of kind of a quick update about what's going on there, Um, but I don't want to say for sure that this is uh, anything other than a person making a decision that relates to factors that might have something completely not to do with the viability of the project itself. But uh, anyways, it continues to be headwinds for Libra, uh, which on the one hand, I think that they must have expected, um, but on the other hand, I think really reinforces just how it is the uh, the most kind of high-profile tightrope act um, in in the entire world right now as it comes to um, trying to do something new but play within the old set of rules, and uh, it's abundantly not clear whether they're going to be able to do it but for now that is it for our crypto daily three at three thank you for watching if you are watching thank you for listening if you're listening uh for those of you who are watching don't forget you can get this uh via whatever podcast app you love most um pretty much uh facebook or sorry google spotify um itunes uh hopefully pandora soon uh yep and anyways guys thanks as always for 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 listening and watching and i will see you tomorrow peace